0: Many individuals try to find success on a daily basis. But what defines this success? Where does it come from? When you find a passion in your life and pursue this passion, everything can come together to form success. This is Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. Our guests will motivate you to take the next step to your success. Now, here's your host, David Wallach.
1: Good morning, y'all, and welcome to our weekly talk show, Taking Care of Business. As you know, our show is about entrepreneurship. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, how entrepreneurs deal with growth, community, downturn in economy, and and more. When you open the dictionary and look for the definition of the word entrepreneur, don't be surprised if you find a picture of my guest today, Mr. Henry Dunfield. Henry is the president of H D Energy Inc. and Optimized Oilfield Services. And probably a few more companies that I'm not even aware of, but we'll uh, explore that during our show. Good morning, Henry. Good morning, David. Glad uh, to be here. Uh, thank you for being our guest today. Uh, it's a little bit of a chilly morning, but we appreciate you coming and being our guest. So, Henry, when we were doing our research for today's show, we found so many companies you were uh, you were or are still involved with that uh, we decided only, uh, you know, to name, we decided to name the episode today as, did someone say serial entrepreneur, (laughs) does it, (laughs) see, that's that's very fitting, I'm afraid, (laughs) very fitting, yeah, perfect, Uh, a little bit about Henry, Henry has uh, over 35 years experience in the oil and gas industry, from working in the field, you built and owned a wide range of companies, mostly in the oil and, and gas sector from a production company with over 200 producing wells all the way to used oil feed equipments, supplies, and many more companies. That's correct, yeah. uh, You had many hurdles along the way, uh, many obstacles that you had to uh, come up, uh, over, uh, whether they were professional, whether they were personal, uh, but you were determined and you always had good spirits since I know you now for 10 or 12 years, and those were able to help you overcome all or maybe most of the uh, setbacks and the hurdles, and also we're able to help you give back to the community in your various ways, which we'll probably explore later. Perfect. That's good. So, um, Henry, before we kind of dive into your entrepreneurship experiences um, and and journeys, um, what we'd like to know is learn a little bit more about Henry Dunfit. Uh, The person behind the entrepreneur, Uh, we all know you as an entrepreneur, but we would like to know more about where you come from, uh, how you got there, and we'll elaborate on all this during the the show. Uh, Once we get to know you better on a personal level, then we can ask you questions about all those companies and your entrepreneurship Okay. So the first question, of course, is where are you from? I know. I know you're not a Calgarian in, in your origin,
2: but I don't know your the history. Oh, uh, okay. Well, actually, I, I uh, grew up in southern Ontario in Oshawa, which is just outside of Toronto, a little sleepy uh, uh, car manufacturing town for the big General Motors plant, and so that's where I spent my whole life. And I till uh, was a teenager, and then uh, did some uh, traveling around the world a little bit, and then i uh, went to came to Saint Albert. Edmonton for a bit, and then I moved my way over to Saskatchewan and worked in a, a small town called Kindersley, Saskatchewan. For what I started out thinking was going to be two or three years, turned out to be 22 years. <laughs> and then I moved to Calgary here in 1996. Oh, wow. So I, I left, I came out west in 78, and but it took you 18 years to get to Calgary. That's correct. That's correct. <laughs> I yeah, see. That's
1: right. um, you, you were mentioning Oshawa and you're mentioning uh, teenagers. So uh, growing up, what kind of a kid were you? Were you like a hyper kid, a gig, a quiet kid? Because uh, I know you only as an adult, yeah, uh, as an right. entrepreneur.
2: You know, I would say that I was probably a uh, lower key But I've always been curious, and I think I got that from my parents. They were uh, forever, they were new, they were immigrants, they're from Holland. So they're forever taking us and showing us things. So I had a lot of imagination, I I like a lot of curiosity about things. My parents were very much like that. So, um, and I think that led a lot to what I'm doing today. But I I would say that it's just a pretty normal kid, uh, you know. But I liked adventure.
1: Any participant in sports? Any yeah, no,
2: I wasn't active really in, in sports, but I did I did like bicycle racing. And I actually did a lot of bicycling. And this was long before it was popular. Remember, this was in the mid-70s. Right. And so I, a friend and I, we we went from Oshawa to New Brunswick to see the eclipse and back around to Maine on our bicycles. We went to uh, north to Hudson Bay, or to, not sorry, to Hudson, Thunder Bay. And then around Lake Ontario and so we did a lot of that and then I came back and I was in the local race circuit, bicycle race circuit in uh, in southern Ontario. Yeah. You wouldn't know that with my physique today, but I, <laughs> I was quite good actually. I was, that's why we're on radio. That's right. <laughs> good thing. So, but I quite enjoyed it and actually it taught me, sports is fantastic and it teaches that competitive spirit and the ability to push yourself that just a little bit harder and a little bit further. So was it a team sport or yes. was
1: it an individual or it was a combination of both? You had to be strong as an individual but part of a team to, to
2: win a race. Uh, well, quite often it's, I guess it's a bit more of an individual situation because it's you normally or sometimes you have a team, but we often would support one another and root for one another and to get uh, places in, the, in the, uh, the various races. So... Uh, It was a lot of team support, but individually, it was normally an individual sport, where it was, like if I was racing, it was me against the Mm -hmm. other competitors, right? I
1: see. Now, you mentioned your parents coming here from Holland as uh, immigrants. Um, Were there in your family, was there anyone, or is there anyone in your family, whether it's parents or siblings, that uh, shows... Demonstrate and had the same
2: entrepreneurship
1: kind of uh, nature or spirit that you have.
2: But it's a good thing is you talk about entrepreneurial nature because I'm now I think a lot about entrepreneurship. It's kind of my religion almost. <laughs> and uh, but it's it does have to it's it sometimes it's born into your personality type. My father was came from a, a farm labor background, so he wasn't he was very cautious and a very mellow kind of guy, very much, my brother's almost the, the, the junior image of him. My mother had a very entrepreneurial spirit, she really, and she came, her parents, or her, the odd little stores and, and businesses, they were in Holland, mm-hmm. and it's funny, when she came to Canada, they, they were damn you know, they had a lot of suffering through the Second World War, and they kind of basically came here and, and had a good start, you know, for a But she always had that nature. She always had that drive to, and she wanted to invest in in real estate, David, and try different things like that. But in that very much, she was, you know, went with what my dad would go with. So they didn't do a lot. He worked in a factory his whole working career, General Motors on the assembly line. My mom had lots of ideas. They did a few things, but she did it in her own way. But she was very entrepreneurial in a very subtle kind of way. Like we had renters in the house. We had a rental house later on very sp- so the
1: inter- persu- entrepreneurship gene came from her uh, yes to you yeah any, uh, yeah. any sibling other siblings do you have
2: only one brother uh i have actually uh, two brothers and a sister so there's four of us i'm the only entrepreneur in the in the family but they've all done well yeah uh, you know um, my and i have actually my i have uh five children right and Two of them are STEP and three are biological, and four of them are all self-employed. They're all entrepreneurs.
1: That comes from you, I yes. guess. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll talk about entrepreneurship and mentorship later. Um, going, to Still staying uh, in Oshawa, I guess. Um, so. Um, any extracurriculum? Like, did you do any work after in the school? Like, in the afternoon? Did you uh, wake up early
2: in the morning and, uh, you know, they had a newspaper route? Yeah, I actually was, uh, well, I was very much involved extracurricular, uh, you know, as a boy scout went through the whole thing, which is good. Helped make my character quite a bit. Right. These are great things. I also, uh, <laughs> had. I guess, when I look back, I had my own little business. Is, uh, I, so, I wanted to make a little money and uh, so I had three or four customers on the street, little old ladies and that I would, uh, uh, they would do, const- constantly sho- shovel their sidewalks and clean off snow in the summer. I would do their grass cutting and landscaping and so on. So, I guess that was my first dabble in small business. <laughs> <laughs> I guess.
1: Um, and, um, you know, if uh, you have still have friends and people that you're in uh, touching uh, from Oshawa from the, the high school days? I do. I do have a few of my close friends are still there. So, if I call them and ask them, what do you think about Henry? What, what do you <laughs> think they will say? If, if I catch them, you know, without a pint.
2: <laughs> yeah, they're, they're going to say... Well, I, I guess I'm generally known to be a little off the wall, a little <laughs> bit of an adventure. So that's why I think they would concur with that. I right? see. <laughs> but I've always, I make a, a, a goal. In fact, I uh, now uh, tell my lady friend that uh, if nothing else, and I tell my new stuff, if nothing else, I'm going to promise you an interesting experience. <laughs> and I, I try to keep my life interesting.
1: Well, life is all, all about an experience, right? It's That's a big right. one, a big, one long, big experience.
2: That's right. But my, my very closest friend and I were growing up as teenagers, and we had various adventures, and we had a, made a commitment to one another that we were going to live life to its fullest. And at the end of the day, we're going when we sit together in the old age home on the rocking chairs, we we're going to have the battle of the stories about who had the better life stories to share. <laughs> so we keep it, we've kept in touch all these years. Who is in the lead? Oh, I <laughs> I think I'm, I'm a little ahead right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why am I not surprised?
2: <laughs> um, so you, you finish high school? Uh, yes, I have grade 12. I did finish grade 13. Oh, in, in Ontario? In Ontario, we have 13. And I was on the, the stream to finish grade 13. But I got three quarters of the way through and, and uh, just started having too much fun and lost my focus. I see. When you
1: talk about lost your focus, that means you didn't go to, uh, you know, uh, secondary school, no. college or university? No, purely high school. Yeah. Thank God, so I have a chance, because me neither. <laughs> I just want to know that know. I'm not the only one. <laughs> That's right,
2: we hire university grads, but we aren't one. <laughs> um, uh,
1: so, you just finished, uh, or you quit three quarters or three two thirds into uh, grade 13. Yeah. Uh, you have a diploma in hand or you have nothing in hand? Yeah, well, I have my, yeah, it's a it's a high school diploma. High school diploma, yeah. So what's the next step? Uh, in, in my education. In your education, did you get a job? What oh, did you do? Are okay, you, so you're, then.
2: You're 18. 18 yeah, plus. I'm 18. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So uh, I, I actually joined a an exchange program called Canada World Youth. And it's still around today. You don't hear much about it it was life-changing experience you don't have to have a any affiliation through school or anything it takes young people put you together in a group so I had a group from uh, uh, Sri Lanka came to Canada there was eight of them and eight of us and we spent four months here then we went to uh, the to their country Sri Lanka and, and worked on coconut farm worked with these people in, in rice uh, rice harvesting and Lived with them in their actual life, tremendous life changing experience. And then on the way back, when, when you
1: talk about life changing experience, can you elaborate? What did you see there that kind of changed your perspective about how great Canada is?
2: Oh, well, as far as in Canada, we're, I mean, the opportunity that, that we have. We grow up and we take it for granted that our children will go out or we could go out and, and better ourselves, we work hard. Lots of countries in the world, that isn't an option. Um, and they're very tied to their their class structure, and it's very difficult to gain ground. So that was one of many many things. I also is when you're you know we're we're treated very well, and we take that for granted. Uh, you know we're never wherever we go, we're never a second class citizen. And you know that's almost intimidating because you think, okay, what do I do to deserve that? I'm no different than the locals, but it's we're very privileged. The other thing with traveling and something like that, you learn a lot of self-assurance. You know, you have, I had some, after I left I left the program, in, on the way back the plane stopped in India, a few of us got off and I traveled on my own. Uh, I think about a, a couple of months in India and a month in Europe. And then there was all kinds of challenges and setbacks and so on. But it, it makes the person, it mm-hmm. hardens the metal and, and really establishes who you are. And meeting a diversity of people, I lived in a very small town, very sheltered, not very small, it wasn't a small town, but it it was very sheltered by life, and I met quite a large variety of people. So, you came back from uh, your trip, and
1: what was your first job? Because you said you didn't go to university, so you had to get a job. Yes. So, so what I, was your first job coming back from your trip?
2: Well, <laughs> this is kind of a f- funny story, but it's, so I came back, and I was, uh, I had some health issues, so... After recovered, my dad said, you know, Henry, it's time for you to go get a job, get off the couch and <laughs> go get to work. So as you can imagine, I've been traveling in India and Europe, so I was a bit idealistic. And I, I uh, so General Motors was hiring, so I went and applied to General Motors and it was impossible to get in there normally because that's the job, the best job in Oshawa. So at that time in 76, it was $13 an hour. So, but I get all debum the they accepted me and hired me, and I was I get all depressed. So I realized that I had a vision I wanted to see more, I wanted to come out west, and I wanted to go to South America, and, and I was so that afternoon I jumped on a plane and got a buddy to drive me there, grabbed my bit of cash. I had landed in St. Albert and looked for a job, and I ended up taking a job as a bicycle repair man in St. George's cycle in Edmonton for $325 an hour. And with no job security. So I gave up $13 an hour with a union, job security, and took a job for three and a quarter an hour, working in the bike shop, and then I started buying and selling old bikes. Mm-hmm. and But my father was just beside himself, because here I had the chance of the dream job, and I turned it down. So anyway, took him a few years to get over that one. <laughs> Perfect. Um, as usual, we have to take a commercial break. Uh,
1: following the commercials, we will chat with Henry about his experience as an entrepreneur. We will be back with you on the other side of the commercials.
3: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
0: tuned into taking care of business with david wallach to reach the program today please call 1-866-472-5788 that's one 472 5788 you may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com that's d-i-v-i wallach at gmail.com now back to this week's show
1: We're back with uh, my guest, Henry Dunfield, and Henry, before we kind of uh, went on the commercial, we ended up with the story that you moved from a secure job uh, in Oshawa, Ontario for 13 bucks an hour to a bike repair shop for 325, just northern Alberta or central Alberta. Um, But were you happy when you did that move? Yeah. I know your parents, you said, weren't.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, they were not very happy at all. But, you know, I was living true to my nature. I was enjoying it. It was a great adventure. And I'm so glad in hindsight that that I've done that because that I had to, it, it really fed my soul versus I think I would have been very unhappy on an assembly line.
1: So, um, how did you get to the oil and gas industry? Was there... Someone that kind of uh, directed you, uh, someone, an, an event that happened. How did you get to the oil and gas industry from repairing bicycles?
2: <laughs> well, I, I'm a bit, of, you have to understand, <laughs> David, I'm a bit of a dreamer and an uh, idealist. And more so even in those days. So in Ontario, all I heard was the big about the big oil field and all the excitement. But it wasn't, I heard about the money, but it wasn't about the money. It was about trying something totally different that I'd never imagined before. So I did the uh, bicycle repair shop, then I ended up buying and selling the old bicycles and doing that. Then I moved on to be, worked in a sport shop, which was terrible, because I was uh, I was selling bicycles in the summer when it went great, but in the winter I had to sell uh, uh, skates, and I've never played hockey in my life. So, oh, okay. <laughs> And then I went on to be a paid Maytag repairman, because I was going to buy and sell Uh uh, use machines, but I met uh, the oil guys kept coming in to, to pick up machines for their camps and I was fascinated with them. So I met a lady and I married, uh, ended up we, we got married shortly after and her dad was working in building an oil company in Kindersley, Saskatchewan area. And I said, I told him about my passion to learn about oil and gas and he said, well go out there and, and we're building a, a new group of companies and see what you think. So I went out there and there were he was building a production company called Page Petroleum in those days, and also a service rig company to service, and a drilling rig company. And uh, so the other brother-in-law was already in the production company, and I thought, well, there's, that's room enough for one family member. So I went and worked on service rigs, and I liked it, actually. I loved it. It's, it was adventures, outdoors. It was hard work, but I was a young guy. so.
1: But it's hard it's outdoors at minus 30 as well, yeah. <laughs> at minus 35 Celsius. And That's right. Uh, so what did you like about it? Is it the camaraderie? Is it the work itself? Is it, uh, you know, I the, think the animals that come and sniff around the camp?
2: I love all of that. I, it's, you know, it's so different. It's an experience. I know that wasn't going to be me for my whole life, but to be around oil wells, they, they fascinated me around equipment, around a man doing, feeling good, feeling a purpose in life. Working, when you're young, your body's so fit and working physically and feeling the results of that and, you know, when you work outside, then it just, it's tough at the time, but when you get out and you warm up and the camaraderie of a bunch of guys, it's a unique experience and a very much of a bonding experience. So, you're kind
1: of uh, drawn to equipment and you're drawn to people. So if General Motors would have had an open environment, be, not in a building, but outside in nature, a kind of a facility, you'd still be in Oshawa today.
2: That's right.
1: <laughs> so when was it that you got your kind of uh, decision, I want to own my
2: own company? What, what was the event? Uh or the process I, I think it's a process more so because I as I even worked stood on the back I'll still to this day is burned in my mind I'm standing on the back of the rig and looking at all these little oil wells very there's some of the shallowest and, and smallest equipment in Canada so I looked around and thought ah oh, this is amazing like I'd love to own some of this I want to be part of it and so I I um, Worked through, a, you know, worked on the rigs, and then I went and built, learned to build rigs, and all that I was planned someday to own a rig. So I planned, even vaguely in my mind, several years ahead of time, and it's just, I thought, oh, if I wanted to own a rig, I better learn to build them. So I went in the shop, and then I then I did go a short stint of self-employment. We got a maintenance company going, and, uh, you know, just a, it was a group of trucks, and that didn't go very well, because uh, we bought it at the wrong time. But we evolved and turned it into a tool rental company where we took all the tools and wheelbarrows and shovels and turned them into a small tool rental company within that town. And actually that that got a little traction Mm -hmm. and it worked out fairly good. And then then I went back to working, went back in the rig, then I worked for an oil company and was a foreman there. And then when the crash came in 86, it was a, a, a big crash, very similar to what we have here now. And... They moved me into a nice. I was now in charge of completions and managing crews, and a lot of excitement. And they moved to a to a nice, secure job where I could check wells, get a paycheck, be done at three o'clock. And I did that for about six months and hated it because I couldn't stand <laughs> the security and the and didn't know what to do with myself. So my 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 imagination was racing. So I uh, I decided I wanted to go, and I thought I could do it better. I thought I had a different idea. The, I know that at that time they were running five five man rigs, five man crews, and it's just about finding something that you think you can bring a service. And I knew as it now running in, in, in the oil side, you need to bring costs down. So I thought, well, I can run a three man crew, and that's how we used to do it when I was running on the rig, and I could drop costs. So I took my $10,000, I got $10,000 from my brother, he invested, and then we borrowed 20 from the government through a small a youth entrepreneurship program. And I went to a guy that had a bunch of rigs sitting, and I said, if I can put one of these to work, I'll pay you, for every hour I put it to work, I'll pay you rent. And, uh, and he agreed, surprisingly, and he put, unfortunately, put a very old rig together. But, <laughs> but, and then, it, that's the beginning, and then there's a whole evolution there.
1: So, you started, uh, your brother was your partner, or he was just an investor?
2: An investor. He lived in, he lives in British Columbia. I see.
1: So So, you didn't have any partners. You ran your first company on your own.
2: Well, he, I ran it on my own. He was a uh, just a, an investor, investor, but I did buy him out later, and then I ran it myself. Yeah.
1: I see. And uh, so you start with this oil rig. Yeah.
2: And from there, how did you grow? Well, <laughs> so diversity and adversity uh, does lead to uh, innovation. So I, I was running these this three-man crew and an older rig. So I was starting to get some work, and I was and then I... But then people were still hesitant. So I said, well, look, I'll do your repair for a fixed price, which is, nobody did that. They all said it by the hour, but I knew that stuff inside and out. So I said, I'll just just guarantee the price. Nobody's done that. And then I also talked to older guys that had said, well, what did you guys do in the last downturn? And they said, well, we had rod rakes. So I would go and just do rod jobs. And then that, it was getting some traction, but not a lot. But I realized there's a lot of wells on economic. So I said, I'm going to go into abandonment. So I, I went into turn, what is it, turnkey abandonment Abandonments for a fixed price, plugging old wells. So that was really catching on. I found I was very good at that because the stru- I could see an opportunity. I said, people were doing a one-off and they were hiring consultants and service companies to do it that were paid by the day. And I said, I could do that much cheaper and I'll just be paid by the job. And I pooled and I got a group together instead of individually and so on. And uh, it was, that was really starting to get traction. So I tried a number of things, this one that got traction, and then I started, people would, uh, they were all short of money, so I said, I'll take some of the equipment as payment and for the job. And then I started to take that equipment and then resell it. Even in a downturn, people are still doing things, but now they're shopping, they've changed their buying patterns. So then I found that business started to get traction. So at first I just had pipe and equipment just in a snowbank in the corner of a guy's yard. But I said, oh, I need to advertise. You know, I need to get marketing. And a friend of mine had a, owned a car dealership that had gone broke in the town right on the highway. So I went and took, took that over and said, okay, I'll take the payments off your hand. And I put all my used equipment in there and, and nipples and stuff. There's a lot of money there in that stuff, and then I started to market it, I got, to, and, and that building was a great buy, I just solved somebody's problem, got it off their hands, and kept making the payments and so on. And uh, that business grew, in fact, we got out of the rig business after a while, got more into the used equipment business, and then I started buying old wells to get to source some of the equipment, and there was a process back then where they would get the oil out by pulling a, a swabbing it out, with running a line down a well, and pulling the, with a cup and pulling it out into a tank on the truck we realized that I could buy wells pull the equipment sell it and used equipment and still keep the wells so and then I you know I go on and on here but it then I ended up <laughs> buying packages of wells so so, so. Uh, you know going uh, through
1: this journey um, what when you kind of describe your your experience and in, in the way you kind of started and started growing your business it seems to me that uh, you're not so much an entrepreneur as much as you're an adventurer.
2: I, I, would, <laughs> David, <laughs> I would say that you're, you're very accurate that way. It's really more about the adventure for me than it is just be, making a, a huge bank account. I need money in order to continue to do what I do, but I love the idea of taking an idea and see if I can turn it into fruition, seeing an opportunity, a need that needs to be filled and See whether I could put the team, the idea, the purpose, the vehicle together to realize on that opportunity.
1: As an entrepreneur, um, you have um, a lot of ideas come your direction, right? Uh, That's the nature of business. People come to people that they see that they're successful. Um, What I, and, and as I said, when we started, I don't know all the companies that you were involved, but those that we found... I, I just saw one common thread is you still stayed focused on the oil and gas industry. Different, different aspects of it, but you stayed focused on one industry. How
2: important is this? I, I think it's very important because uh, there's been a few times I have wandered from that. And, uh, and how
1: much money did you make then?
2: Uh, not very much. In fact, I, <laughs> <coughs> I got some lessons. And I think, one, you know, one of the, the summary of, a, the, I did one not too, not too long ago, tried to uh, get into the earth-moving construction business within Calgary and realized it's a business I don't know anything about. And what you realize there's a lot of very smart people doing businesses, especially in the downturn, that they're all wide, uh, moving their skills. So you you under, you get a great respect for other entrepreneurs that have been successful in their area. And it takes many, many nuances and soft skills and connections to bring success. Um, one thing that you mentioned,
1: you said, I tried this and I saw it worked, I tried a few things. Were there also some failures along that way when you started in, in Kindersley? Yes. Stuff that you said, okay, I'll try this, but it didn't go well, and okay, I have. Where did you drop it? When did you decide I should not stick here and move to the one that I know to do best? In the process, because you try something and you I can do it better. And then, okay, I'm losing money here. But, you know, some people stick to it and try to fix it and try to fix it. Yeah. What was that moment that you say, okay, this is not for me.
2: I should move. It's, I think generally, because you, it's a very, that's a very interesting challenge because you have to be passionate about a business and be uh, determined to make it work. But on the other hand, the objectivity is also hard. So I think mostly when I stopped having fun, it just got to be too much hard work and it wasn't, you know, it would keep me awake at night and wasn't enjoyable. Now, you have always have a few of those moments, but when it gets to be a lot more of those moments than not, and then you realize, you know, it's time to move on.
1: Um, one thing that uh, we find is that it's a very common practice in your industry, in the oil and gas industry, to go uh, to raise money through a public markets, through the stock exchange. Did you ever do that, or you always had private companies?
2: I, I never did. I tried, but <laughs> when I was up and coming, I couldn't raise money, and uh, so I actually, in most of my career, I have done it with my own my own funds, and. Like you said, I started a company with $10,000, right? It's, 20, you took 10 dollars. Oh, 20, yeah, that's right, sorry, that's right. That's right <laughs> 20 from the government, so 40. Yeah. But the uh, it is it is possible. It's amazing what you can do with, with small amounts of capital. You know, now remember, I focus, my passion is very small business, microcap, you know, little mom and pop type things. I'm not doing multi-million dollar big companies. They grow into that, but that's not how I start. Um, and so I think uh, but it's amazing that people will if you're a promising young man or a woman and you've got drive there's a, there's a bigger need for you out there than you realize and there's lots of us as we get older I see it now I've got lots of ideas but I don't have the, I don't have the, the timeline left and I don't have the energy so we're always looking for young people to help us out
1: well I Kind of disagree about the energy. I still think you have a lot of energy <laughs> in you. Um, you know, we have to take our uh, second commercial break. Uh, when we are back from the commercials, we will talk with Henry uh, about uh, his community involvement, volunteering, mentoring, and any advice he can give as a serial entrepreneur and adventurer uh, <laughs> to new entrepreneurs or Current entrepreneurs that are making mistakes. So we'll see you, we'll be back with you immediately following the commercials.
3: Good. Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Ask the experts. Call toll free right now 1 866 472 5787. And ask our All Star team to answer your question. That's 1 866 472 5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: tuned into taking care of business with david wallach to reach the program today please call 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 you may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com that's d-i-v-i wallach at gmail.com now back to this week's show
1: uh, we are here for the last stretch of our uh, show, of today's show, Taking Care of Business, uh, with our guest, Henry Dunfield, a serial entrepreneur and adventurer. And Henry, uh, before we went to the commercial, we kind of ch- talked about your uh start as an entrepreneur, and we won't name all the companies you were involved, but I want to talk a, talk a, a little bit about uh, the whole notion of entrepreneurship and and, and mentorship and uh, uh, what you are doing about it. But before that, um, I have one question for you, uh, you, st- you mentioned earlier that you started buying wells and sold the equipment and stayed with the wells. And from uh, what we saw in your bio, you kind of at a certain point go to a company that had over 200 wells, That's producing cool. wells. So you're a production company. I was. Uh, and then we saw that you sold that company. That's correct. And you make about, made a buck or two. Yeah. So what what is the motivation now to be involved with five or seven other companies why not retire does the word retire
2: sounds familiar yeah <laughs> it's a it's a struggle Dave what happens when you you make some wealth you realize that that's not what life's all about it depends what is your passion what do you want to do I mean if you want to go golfing all day well that's that's okay but if you don't have that as your your life purpose then you realize it. It's about what is your yeah what is what keeps you stimulated what gets you jumping out of bed in the morning and makes you full. I mean, to me, I think it's important to live the most and, and experience this life that we live. And you know, whether you've been had success or whatever it makes life a little easier, but it's you still have to live and, and uh, enjoy your value in your life. And and to me, I like I'm like an artist. I can't stop painting. I like this. I see ideas. I like people. I like to work with them to help put a team together and realize on a vision. And that's very enjoyable.
1: Uh, so, there's no retirement in the near future?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I am getting more tired. I'm 61 now, so I'm slowing down a bit. But I'm, now I'm taking a lot of joy in, in trying to build somebody up to help fulfill my visions that I happen to see in opportunities. So uh,
1: let's talk about building up. But before we build up, I want to talk about how did you build your companies? Um, If you look today in the business environment, uh, every office you walk in, every website you go, it's mission, vision, purpose. Uh, Did you have those when you started? Or it was just the, the, the adventure kind of nature of yours that started the companies and then you slowly, slowly grew them?
2: Yes. In fact, I think you're right. That how it happens is it was the adventure, the idea, the vision. And later as I… Began, but, but the vision was yours? Yes. Without the employees? That's correct. Okay.
1: It was always mine. Yes. I see. And when did you put mission, vision and on, on purpose
2: on the wall or on your website or never? Probably never. I see. Yeah. So we did Go play ahead. with one now in later life, which ties this last chapter you want to talk about. It's now called, uh, part of our mission is it's enhancing humanity through business. But in the early years, it was just about experiencing my vision and experiencing what I wanted to do. So we didn't do all of that mission vision, all of that stuff. It's later on I started building into the companies, but not initially. So... When you,
1: you know, when you build your company without mission, vision on the wall, and purpose, um, and you got to over 200 wells and you sold it, was it pure luck? Was it market condition? Was it hard work, passion? How would you kind of, in, in hindsight, look back? Look back now, and and tell me how did I get? This is how I got to over 200 wells and sold it.
2: <laughs> you know, I think partly, David, I was driven very passionate, very hands- on, which is important. Um, and I think so that was part. but also that I, the and I was aware of that going in, but the timing was excellent and, and better than I had imagined because people wanted out of the area and I realized they had nobody to sell their wells to that, that was sophisticated enough to buy them. So that worked out. And then we started to uh, build uh, more and more. Uh, so I recognized I was feeling a need. And the time was right and people were very motivated to sell packages and to get out it's so there's only certain windows in the economy when that or in, certainly in our industry or any economy when people be, get that way and they make very creative opportunities so i was able to do deals that you can't normally do and it was a time too before we had we have now very heavily regulated and so it's it was an anomaly of Good timing, good part of the market, and catching things on an upswing. When did you
1: start getting involved with the community, giving back to the community? Whether it's through, uh, Ro- I think you're a member of Rotary? That's correct. Um, you, I saw that you were on a board of uh, Empowering Minds. That's correct. Can you share with us what Empowering Mind is all about? And-
2: actually, uh, Empowering Minds is uh, an organization here in Calgary, actually started by the Workland Foundation. And they do wonderful work. They, they work with youth in high schools, and put, uh, they kind of help bring out their, their strengths and their power, and they take them for weekend self-development retreats. Uh, it's a great organization, and, and part of my passion is all about mental health. And so I think helping build people's self-esteem and belief in themselves is critical to success in life, and uh, this, this organization supports that. Uh, what other kind of community or involvements do you have? I have some formal ones where I'm uh, the, on the Rotary, of course, very active in my Rotary. I have, uh, but a lot of my stuff's uh, more informal. I do, you know, I, I for example, work with a couple of charities. CanLearn is one of them. And uh, we've done some, uh, and I've also done some work with uh, SAS, Servants Anonymous. And these are helping people you know, get a leg up uh, can learn they uh, they help people to uh, with it diagnose their, if they have ADD or some learning disability helps them to learn to use that and to adapt mm-hmm. to how to be successful in life and that's a big passion for mine for me um, so I because I believe having only high school and a little bit of ADD and having that in my family I realize it's all how you look at it if you look at it it's a gift it's very powerful if you look at it as a detriment then it can be quite debilitating. I uh, found uh, two more boards
1: that I had no clue where they are. One of them is Cafe. Oh, okay. Canadian Association of Family Enterprises. That's right. right you yes.
2: were a board member there. Uh, no, I wasn't a board member. Okay, there. just I'm a, a member. member of that. Yeah. And
1: but I saw you were a, a member of W A I M E A which I have no clue what it is, what it stands for. Oh, that, that, that was a company.
2: <laughs> me? Yeah, yeah. That was a company where we bought some land, mineral rights in Saskatchewan. I see. It had <laughs> nothing
1: to do with community <laughs> No, that one
2: did not. No, no. Um, yeah. But uh, you,
1: have, if, I, if my memory is right, you were involved in uh, mentoring uh, entrepreneurs. Yes. On a formal basis. Yes. Can you elaborate a little bit yeah, about this experience for you and for the people that you trained?
2: Okay, So I got involved with, uh, I like mentoring. I, I believe it's a valuable part of life. And I think it's something that those of us have been blessed enough to have had some success in our lives. I think we are wise to contribute back to our own society and, and owe that. So uh, I joined a, a group called, the, it's now called Futurepreneur. And what they do is, it's a really wonderful program, and if, they're, if you're under 35 years old, they, if a young person writes a good business plan, they'll lend them up to $15,000, and then they can actually get more by tying it with another bank. And they, but they are attached with a mentor. So I had saw that advertising in the paper, and I, I signed up, and uh, I thought, you know what? I, I'm gonna try this. i am always one to look at something new. So I, they attached me with a young lady that came in, and this poor, this lady came in to me and she was going to set up a, a small business, but she was so shy and I thought, oh my goodness. And it was a business selling courses and uh, uh, to upgrade professionals. And she'd been a receptionist or at the front desk of a previous business and said, I can do this better. So she came to me and I'm a, you know, marketing person. And I thought, how are you ever going to do this? So anyway, but I supported her and and really mostly what people want is Belief that they're doing okay, that it's it's going to be it's going to work out, because it's scary. But when you look back at hindsight, you realize it's just part of life. And this girl became very successful. She became the main main breadwinner in their household. They bought a nice, beautiful home. I mean, and she had this, you know, she made a very good living and was, as you know, amazingly successful. And actually, she nominated me for Aunt. For mentor of the Year through this organization for Alberta, which I did win a few years ago. And, uh, but it, it's very fulfilling for me. It believes in life and society and young people to see the success, the hard work, imagination at work. And it also helped me reflect on my own skills. And, and as I'm talking to her or watching her, I, it humbles me and reminds me that I have lots more to learn too.
1: So when you uh, teach uh, or mentor, an entrepreneur in today's world and today business world, which is different than the 80s or the 90s even. Yeah. Um, and you go, um, oh, you should do mission, visions, purpose. You should do this, this. And they go and you, th- and you th- sit there with her and back of your mind, huh, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. How did, it, how did that work? <laughs> well,
2: that's let's, let's right. So I, but I am trying to be cautious and keep it real. You know that's okay with that stuff but i think it's more important to identify a real business opportunity that helps hone your your team and align them but you've got to be targeted in the right type of opportunity that suits your person and your personality and a lot of times it's it's much more basic than that you know cash flows enough the finances and and just knowing you know that you got to set up an account and and a few things like that it's uh that's more what i focus on and and also it has to be to the times like i'm it's subject partly to what i'm reading right now i'm reading a the the, the book called uh, the lean startup and it's very about very much about trial reflect and then realign right and i think in this society it's changing so fast i believe that that's an important, important piece for young people
1: are you still mentoring today oh yeah formally through that organization I,
2: or? yes formally through that group i have a young fellow that has a, a uh, a business where he does is an excavator, and and now he's he started last year with just one truck and one excavator. Now he's got three excavators and four Bobcats, and he's go And now they bought a nice acreage out in the countryside, uh, and he's he works extremely hard. But it's very warming for the heart to see his success.
1: So, we have to go back in time for a second. So. You tried to do excavating and it didn't
2: go well. Is he living your dream? <laughs> he is. It's embarrassing because I tried, I put a lot more money. Like he started first and then somebody came to me and I was going to work. So I put a lot more money and a lot more expertise, you know, and a whole team together. And he is wildly more successful than we were. I ended up folding the business. <laughs> so, so,
1: but it's interesting. Um, so sometimes. As a mentor, you can help some people succeed in other industries, while you try to get into other industries that you're not knowledgeable of, and you lose money.
2: That's right. But art, you know, is it's mentoring is about you know a small bit. about certain types of practices and believing and working hard. And there's certain things that are the same across all industries. Right. But you know, it's has to start with your own hands-on passion.
1: So, let's go back to Henry and let's go back to H.D. Energy, which is the mother company, if I remember right? Or yeah, it's, of the the one, it's the
2: remnants yeah. of my oil company, yeah.
1: Uh, so, you said you're 61? That's right. And we kind of agreed that the word retirement is not in your vocabulary or dictionary. Okay. Uh, that page was taken off. Yeah. So, where do you see Henry and his companies in three years, no, five
2: years? So, right Personally now,
1: and professionally.
2: Okay. So, pers- So, I guess professionally, I'm now building optimized oil field, and uh, we're specialized in small and gas compressors, which is, I think, a, a need which helps increase oil production. So, I got a, a young team I'm working with, and I hope that in three years that they're now running that, and I'm advising and off chasing a new passion. And uh, I've got several other things I'm looking at waiting for this one to get <laughs> off the ground. But uh, I hope that they, he will be running that. And uh, Are they partners? or uh, you, are, you At are... this point, I have their employees. But uh, it's, we will do some creative things when I expect them to whether show that they're ready to run it. And we're still testing the market to figure out where we fit in the market. Right. Um, and I hope, I have, a pa- I have a desire, I want to do international business. There's a personal challenge I just thought I, I want to try that and, and actually I've already done a little bit, I have a partnership in, a, in an internet cafe with a single mother in the Philippines, who I've never met, but <laughs> but anyway that's fun, but I, uh, that, that's where I hope to go. So in the next few years I hope to be doing a little of dabbling in the international, just selling something international, just for a challenge, Nice personal challenge, <laughs> and on a personal basis I hope to be taking more, you know, just intermixing work and holidays.
1: How many companies you'll have in three or four or to five years? <laughs>
2: um,
1: so, you know, along this journey, if you had to, die, if you're mentoring me today, yeah. along this journey that you had, a long journey, um, name one or two mistakes that you did <laughs> that you say, David, don't do that if you go to become an entrepreneur. Oh, more. David, I have I, I feel like I don't should. write the book now just one or two.
2: Oh, okay because <laughs> okay, I want to write a book but I think if I had to pick maybe some of my latest ones is be sure to test your idea before you get too far into it. Don't jump in to the point of where you can't pivot or, or change direction if it isn't the right one. Your vision and what is reality just doesn't always line up so try you know trial and error make sure you're careful. Um, that's one of the big ones. Focus on, you know, make sure you understand the business, and then carefully watch the team you build. Your team is will be everything. So make sure you surround yourself with good people and pick the rights. Think about a real. Are you filling a real need in the market? What is it you're doing? You're not doing it for you. You're filling it to service the customer. So the more value you create, the more reward you'll get. Mm-hmm. Um
1: what's the one thing that went that worked well for you that you recommend everybody should do mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur?
2: I think it's love what you do, right? Work hard. Uh, but I love it. I love I love what I do, right? And I'm passionate about it. I talk about it, I read about it. It's it's what I like to do. Now not everybody's like that and you don't get that always in the beginning, but you, you need to build that in order to be successful so only one other thing is you gotta like and gotta like people
1: <laughs> that's the key so Henry 30 over 35 years long journey from Oshawa through Edmonton through uh, uh, Saskatchewan to Calgary uh, companies that you sold company that you lost what is the one major thing
2: you learned about yourself through this journey it's a it's a that's a Right on learning thing and one of the things is when you're in the front challenging yourself that's when you learn a lot about yourself and, it's, and then the key is to be objective and not be downtrodden by setbacks right I've learned about myself that I'm passionate I could be impulsive so I learn I have to check myself along the way and I think I just um, you learn more about what your strengths and weaknesses are and I realize that I think at the end of the day it's Life's a long, a long journey. I want to, I try really hard not to burn bridges and to make sure I leave good memories behind because at the end of the day, it's a story over a cup of coffee.
1: Wow. Henry, um that was a great story <laughs> uh, you. and uh, you know I'm very happy that uh, you uh, shared with us all this information uh, we reached the end of today's episode of taking care of business I want to thank you Henry uh, for sharing with us your journey, your experiences uh, your, your practices um, and I wish you you know, all the best I know you're going to keep on enjoying life uh, and uh, your business acumen is going to st- still lead you to do more business. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, next week we will host Bob and Ashley Wolf, a father and a daughter in the automobile industry, owners of the Wolf Automotive Group. A big thank you to our listeners for being with us, uh, and as usual, thank you to our engineer Aaron and Cassandra, our production PR manager. I would love to hear back from you, your feedback as well as guest suggestions. Uh, My email is dvwallock at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, like us on Facebook, and connect with me on LinkedIn. I'll meet you here at www.voiceamerica.com slash variety next Tuesday, November 28th, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. Your host, David Wallock.